The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Speedsport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedway and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Today's guest, Mike, a retired stock car racing driver who has raced across NASCAR's three national series, the Cup, the Bush, and also trucks. His career highlights include the 1993 American Speed Association AC Delco Challenge Series Championship, the 1995 NASCAR Bush Series Championship, the 1996 NASCAR Winston Cup Series Rookie of the Year Award, and the 2008 Craftsman Truck Series Championship as well. He's the second of only three drivers that have won a championship in both the Bush Series and the Truck Series, and the 17th of only 36 drivers to win a race in each of NASCAR's three national series. In the Cup Series, 274 races over 11 years, one win, 58 top 10s, and two poles. Xfinity, 91 races over 10 years, three wins, 35 top 10s, and one pole. Truck Series, 138 races over 10 years. 
years, 14 wins, 90 top tens, and five poles. While retired from NASCAR, he still races a super modified on the ISMA Tour. He's also served as pace car driver for the 2021 SRX Series. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Johnny Benson Jr. Say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey, Mike and uh, Jeff. How you guys doing today? Really good. How are you? We're doing uh, good. Should we just quit right there with that intro? That's My quite, God, that, that's quite a career, Johnny. Johnny, incredible. Yeah. You, you kind of made up some stuff, so I mean, you made it look sound good. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Well, the great thing about this show is just as Jeff read everything, you know, I competed against you for many years, and I thought I knew everything about you. But I come to find out I don't know hardly anything. You've had such a... Well, I think... You know, since we were competitors, we really, you know, people don't realize there's a lot of people that do pay attention to other people. And there's a lot of people, probably yourself included, based off the comment, that we really just pay attention about what we're doing. Okay, and your point is what? <laughs> <laughs> Our point is, is that I always went to there and I did my job, do your stuff, and probably wasn't as sociable as I needed to be. But it, uh, that and I did as, learn that a little, that and as a long little as, later. As long as you were behind him, it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, well, Johnny Benson finished ahead of me way more than I finished ahead of him, but... Uh, what, what a stellar career versed across all the racing you did. But part of our show, or the big part of our show, is taking us way back in time. And uh, I use the word way back because it's back to the point where you can remember your involvement in motorsports, how it started, maybe what you remember. And uh, the only way I know how to ask those questions is to ask you, let you talk for a moment. Uh, where did Johnny Benson first find any interest in motorsports? Well, it's uh, it goes back a long way, so we'll have to check my check my uh, memory on this. But uh, my dad also raced, um, and he had a speed shop that we built race cars and components and stuff like that. So at about the, I guess I will call it early age. I guess at seven years old, I was uh, welding aluminum racies for the uh, for the company. So it was one of those deals that you're around racing. My dad raced. You know, I was going to the racetrack since I've been like four years old. And then uh, I, I used to always go in the shop and watch them. And I, I love watching welding for whatever reason. And and then one day he says, you want to try that? And I says, yeah. So he got this group out, started welding. And then uh, he told me everything I was doing wrong and started again. And I kept practicing. And by the end of the day, he had to weld the seat up. And uh, he goes, guys, he says, that doesn't look too bad. He says, why don't you finish them over there? And there's like seven more. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that, I think that was the beginning of uh, of my free labor. So a Reuben board, I guess, as my dad called it. So it, um, um, I started welding seats. And then, God, it wasn't long after that. By the time I was eight, I was running machinery, running laves, mills, and things of that nature. And just, um, and then just started doing everything in the shop. And then. You know, of course, they built cars, and, and my dad was building them at the time, and then I started helping on that. And the time I hit uh, 13 years old, I actually built my first frame, not for me, but, well, actually it was. I drove my dad's car when I was at 13 once, and I, I kind of spun it out and wrecked it. And, and then over the winter, I started building the car, and I knew where all the cars were going. And so I built frame. I got that all done. It was the first one I built. And he goes, well, why don't you go ahead and put the suspension on it and do the interior, which is what we did. Well, then all of a sudden, I, and I kept asking who the car was for, and he would never answer the question. Well, 
He says, well, put a body on it. And at that point in time, I was like, we don't do bodies back then. <laughs> we just didn't do bodies. So I started putting a body on it. And I was, I was almost done. I kept asking. He never said a word. And then one day, a guy by the name of Chris Patterson, which is a, pretty much a hot dog dirt guy up in uh, Michigan, he showed up at the shop. And he's walking through the shop. And he's talking about a car. And, and, uh, and of course, I'm working on this car. And after about two hours, I sold them the car. And they left. And then uh, my dad goes, well, who was that? And I says, well, he says, he said it was Chris Patterson. And I didn't know who he was at that time. And and he goes, oh, what did they want? And he goes, well, they wanted to buy a car. So I sold them that car. And the look on his face was just kind of funny. He was like, oh, uh, I go, well, I've been asking. You didn't say anything about who this car is for. So it was it was one of those deals. He goes, well, I was, I was going to let you drive that car. And I said, I go, oh. I says, well, I sold it. And in as the, as the winter started coming, they finished the car and we're going to go to speed weeks down in Daytona. They come over for some last minute parts of that, whatever. And the next thing I know, my dad is saying, Hey, why don't you take the kid with you? So I'm going to these people that I have no clue who they are. I jump in the motorhome of these guys. We drive down to Florida and run all speed weeks for the, I think back then it used to be week and a half or whatever it was. And it worked on his car the whole time down there. And I'm like, this is odd. I don't even, we don't even know these people. My dad just trips me with these people. Take the kid. We don't spend a week down there and, and worked on race cars. I worked on a race car. It was amazing. I mean, I, I still remember that. Like that was, uh, like that was yesterday. That's was a pretty such, cool uh, introduction to Speed Weeks at Daytona, you know? Yeah, yeah it is. And, uh, right? and, 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 and then I'd never been over to the Speedway. And then I wouldn't say that. As as I got a little bit older, we used to go down there. When my dad used to actually take a vacation, we'd go down. We would go over and watch the, you know, the Bush Clash and watch the IROC cars and watch the Bush race. And then we'd all home. And I was like, okay, we didn't get to see the 500, but that's all right, you know. And because at that time, my age, I was, I liked the Indy, Indy 500, um, it, you know, at Indy, obviously. And then I'd, I'd watch the, uh, the 500 and things of that nature. And then, uh, and then it, you know, and then at that point in time, and I think I was, I was 19 before I started racing. It, um, I just enjoyed working on a car. I didn't care much for driving, but then my dad retired in 1980. And then so in 81, oh, I'm sorry, in 81, he retired. And then 82, I actually built a dirt car and went racing. So that was, I was uh, out of high school before I even uh, even thought about jumping in a car and started racing. And then that's kind of where it started off. Well, what, what an incredible early career. I mean, I'll just say it this way, age seven, most kids are just outside playing with their I bicycle say, or something like that. I know it. At age seven, I was worried about using my mother's clothespins to put baseball cards on my spokes. Yeah, you know, it, flicker, it, made, yeah, yeah. it made them sound cool. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I did I did race I did race pedal bikes when I was like thirteen and we had this really cool place not uh, not too far up the road that we used to race and some of the guys that are that I was racing the bikes against raced at Berlin where my dad grew up and raced and and then some of them might sit in the grandstands during the, the, the race time before I was able to go into pits. And, and so like I was involved a little bit, obviously working on my dad's stuff and things of that nature. And I think I, I was 13, 14 years old. I think when I started or was allowed to go into pits, 
not by rule. You had to be older, but uh, the let me in there. And, you know, my dad sold uh, Firestone tires, so I was mounting tires and balancing and, and working on a car at a, at a early age. But, um, yeah, it was different because I didn't – I rode my bike a little bit, and a little later when I got in high school, I got a, a good bike, and it was – you know, I didn't have hardly have time to ride it because my dad felt that working in the shop was more important than school. So when I got out of school, I went straight worked in the shop till eleven o'clock at night, and then went to school. So obviously, my grades were not very good in school. But um, and so like it was, and and I laughed. My dad worked seven days a week. It was like I used to love Sundays. I called Sundays my day off because I only had to work from noon to noon to six on Sunday. So I eight nine o'clock in the morning, I was out on a dirt bike till noon. And I worked from noon to six, and then at night, if it was depending on what type of year, I'd go ride my bike or, or go to my buddy's house. So it, uh, I was pretty much a shop rat. Wow, you, you you grew up with some incredible work ethics, or your dad instilled a bunch of hard work ethics in you. It sounds like, but as you as you were building that new car that you sold to the gentleman that you didn't know it was your car, did you after you sold it? Then I, you said you went to Speed Weeks. Did you come back home and start your own car, or did you wait for a while on that? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't build the car until my dad retired. So it was um, quite, quite a few years then. The, the winter of '81 going into two is uh, when it, when I built my first car, and I ran dirt for three years. Um, I got real lucky. I won my third race, and I had uh, a name you might know, but um, uh, John Grega that worked at Port City Racing for. You still might work there. Um, he was like the, the top dog over there, and I happened to get in the lead, and it was a 50-lap race, and he proceeded to knock the bumper off my car for 35 laps, and I was just like, my dad always told me, just don't make mistakes. And I just never made a mistake, and he didn't get by me, and he was the first guy to come over and give me one of his grizzly bear hugs and says, dude, he says, I don't know how you did not screw up as many times as I hit you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hit, he wasn't trying to hit you off track. He was just, he was just hitting me enough to let me, let him, let me know that he was there. Just trying to rattle your know cage. Who is, but um, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I was mentally wore out after that race. Like, you can't believe, but it taught me a very good lesson. Just, just don't make a mistake. And that's what my dad always told me. Yeah, it's really cool listening to that when he's talking about him just moving him. You know, we've had this conversation of controversy lately in the NASCAR world where there is no slightly moving anybody. It's just kind of like driving over them to get by them. Right. So hearing that you went through that period of time, didn't make a mistake, famous race car driver trying to move you and was uh, nice enough to come up and congratulate it's you like afterwards. They, they, you know, Kurt Andrews used to tell me, you know, when I was racing Legends cars, after one of these races, I'd really like to replace your front bumper instead of your rear bumper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Johnny, after the uh, work and the experience you had down in Speed Weeks with the gentleman spending the time down there, and tell us how your actual driving career, because you said you, you really liked working on the cars and didn't have a lot of interest to drive early on. How did it, I know you said you built a dirt car, so... How did it materialize from that point? And, and how, what made you go dirt racing? Because your dad was a pavement racer, wasn't he? Or did he do both? Uh, my, my dad had the workshop. And you break it up a little bit. I don't know what's, what end of it is on. But um, the, he, had, he had the business, but he also worked for the railroad. He was a brakeman. And uh, got it was like a bunch of different ones. But Conrail, I think, is our SRX today. 
he, he worked there for 44 years and it, um, but he would, he worked nights and go to work at three o'clock and he's usually home by eight at night. And, uh, so he did that. He raced locally. He, he barely seldom went outside of the area there at Berlin. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of tracks that he ran at there at the end of the year, we'd go down to Sandusky or something. You go to Pennsylvania, but not very often. He did run MIS once in a cup race. And I can't remember what year it would have been, though. It would have been in, uh, in the late 70s, I think. And uh, and he just thought it was too boring. So uh, so he just stayed locally. But then when he retired, it was just all about what I wanted to do. And and so I ran, like I say, I, I built a car, ran it uh, for three well, I built new cars every year because we'd sell them. But um, and I ran three years of dirt. But then I was getting so burned out because I also took my journeyman's card in tool and die, uh, getting out of high school. And so I had a full time job. So I was working full time at a die shop, and then also working full time at my dad's. And it was um, after about three years of racing, it just burned me out. And that was I had didn't race for a year just went to the track and helped some customers tried to figure out really what I to do I was still working and um and so I ran I would have ran 82 83 84 in a dirt car took 85 off in 1986 I I built an asphalt car and went over and started running Berlin and that and Berlin um is a very very difficult racetrack and I, I ran there for two years and never won a feature. And it was like, I mean, you, you get discouraged a little bit, but um, following some of the good guys like, you know, Freddie Campbell and Bruce Vanderlaan and Butch Miller and, and things of those guys started to figure the track out. And the minute I figured that track out, I'd won a lot of races. And, but I only, I only ran there four years and we won the championship. I was close to my third year there. Um, and it, we had a parts failure on the last or three laps to go on the last race of the season. And if I'd have finished where I was at, we would have won it, but we crashed and I ended up second. And, uh, the following year we won, we pretty much dominated. And then, uh, we used to build a lot of rear end parts and spindles for Butch Miller and troop racing. And uh, Leroy troop called me up and asked me if I wanted to run at a run, uh, an ASA car because Butch Miller was leaving and going, coming down South here to run the cup stuff. And, and that, so that kind of started my ASA thing as far as uh, traveling. And it, it was kind of a weird deal because I was, I said, yeah. And then I thought, why in the heck do I want to run a 300 lap race? I love the 25 to 30 to 50 lap races. Hey, hold that thought and, right there, Johnny. Uh, but once I got into that and started running that, and it was awesome. In the Wayback Machine with Johnny Benson Jr., you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. The life and times of Johnny Benson Jr. about to go ASA racing. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Johnny, you, as we went to break, you were talking about how you got a call from Leroy Thorpe, who was a famous car owner in the ASA series. I believe Butch Miller had drove for him. And uh, bring us back. You, you said you were uh, you were trying to figure out why you wanted to go run 300-lap races when you really enjoyed them 30- and 50-lap races. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know why I questioned myself on that. I said, yeah, and this – and then, I, you know, the more I thought about it, it was like, 
man, I just love the short sprint style racing, you know, just 30 laps, 40 laps, 50 laps, every once in a while, hundred laps. And it was, it was, uh, that's just what I was used to. That's what we did. Right. That's it, it, most everybody started that way. And it was, so to, to go to these 300 lap races, I was, I was like, man, I've never done a pit stop. And, you know, and, and the cars that we run, we didn't shift, you know, we run in and out boxes and stuff like that. So this was like totally, totally new for me to do this. And so our, our opener, I think it was at Columbus, Ohio. Well, they used to run heat races. They run 50 lap heat races. I qualified pretty good because I, I, I laugh. I, I used to qualify really good when I was, uh, uh, younger, my, at my ages. And it, it, um, and we started up front in the heat race and I, I won the heat race. So I was like, okay, this ain't bad. This is 50 laps. All right. So now we're going into the, the 300. So now you got pit stops, you got all this stuff. And, and there, there was a, there was a bit of a learning curve to understand, you know, pit stops and understanding just putting two tires on and, and trying to go through that. Now I was with a good team that understood that. So I, I was trying to, I didn't have to manage that, but you have to think about it. You have to, you know, you got to all of a sudden they're putting two tires on a car instead of four and how come it ain't going good to start with. But then it started coming in a little bit later once the air pressures come up and the staggers start to get where they needed to be. And so that, that was a, that was a learning curve and, and things of that nature. But, um, but it started, it started going well. And, uh, um, I don't know if I want to, I thinking back, I'm not sure if I want to race, not a, not a main race. I want to, uh, like, the heat races that we ran, but I, I don't think I won a main race my first year. I don't, I, I was close to winning at Berlin. Um, and we didn't, uh, um, and that was just a, that was a mess up where the crew chief was, I was leading the race and it was near the end of the race. And he was like, he didn't push it. You don't have these radios. You push a button. You don't hear the first word sometimes. Right. Well, he was like, he wanted me to fake pit, like, Pretend like I was going to come down pit road to stay in the track. Well, I heard pit. <laughs> so anyway, I come down pit road, and of course they put tires on it once they saw me on pit road. And I went back out, and he's arguing with me because at that time Bobby Seneca was my teammate at Troops, and uh, and so I think I I think I actually made it back up to third. And and then we getting in a big argument, and I was like, "What?" I says, "I did not hear you say fake pit." And I says, too, why would we do a fake pit thing to try to screw our teammate up? And then the third one was, because he, he told me, he says it would have worked. I said, dude, I, I physically drove down pit road and they didn't come. I don't think the fake one was going to work. <laughs> I, said, I physically drove down pit road. And so that was my shot, I think, my first year to win a race, and I messed it up. But uh, it was just a miscommunication thing. But um, and, and then we started running good. Uh, the second year, I, I think I finished eighth in a point. Actually, I finished eighth in points my first year. Um, the second year with uh, Troop Motorsports, I had run. I finished fourth. We won some races. Bobby won the championship. And going into that winter, uh, Troop had said, basically, he wanted to go back down to one team instead of two. And, and he was having a problem talking to me. And I said, Leroy, I says, look, I know what you're going to do. I says, if, if I was going to drop to one team, I would take Bobby Seneca too. The guy just won you a championship. So if you're going to tell me I don't have a ride, just tell me I don't have a ride. I'm okay with that. I says, you're picking the right guy. And, and so they did. And uh, so going in the winter, I didn't have a ride. 
that was when ASA was coming out with a new car and, um, about a month or two went by and then, uh, uh, Harley Bowlby from fortune racing called me up and says, Hey, you want to run one of my cars in the ASA thing? Cause I, I didn't have time to design a car. It was a totally different car and it was narrower, taller and, and it just, it's just something we don't build. And, um, so I says, I go, yeah, let me talk to my dad. And, and cause we're a competitor, not only building cars, but we used to build his rear ends and some stuff for that company. So my dad's like, yeah, whatever. We can't afford to go do it. Um, you know, if you want to do that, go ahead. So, but then Port City was like, okay, I'll build you the car. You run it. Well, now all of a sudden I'd like, okay, now we're back to running the car, but I don't have paper car, don't have paper engines. And, um, so I gathered up a couple of people and, uh, we went and did that. We had a great year. We won like four or five races, sat on like poles or temples and basically tied Mike Eddie for the points, but he beat me on wins. So, um, he ended up with the championship. We run second. And then the following year after that, we pretty much, pretty much dominated a year and won a championship. And, and, and at the end of that, during the summer there, Chevrolet, it, uh, well, actually Earnhardt called the shop and my mom came out and says, Hey, had phones for you. And now I'm in the other race shop. We don't have phones out there. We got nothing. And, he says, guy by name, I heard her on the phone. I go, wow, somebody's pulling your leg. You know, we've, been, <laughs> you know, we've all heard it. I don't like it. I, we've all heard these yeah. stories. <laughs> and I pulling my leg, whatever, just take a message. Well, about an hour or so later, he called back again. And I get, and I, I get on the phone and I'm like, yeah, right. And he goes, no, hey, this is Earnhardt. He goes, I want you to drive my car at uh, Dover. He goes, I'll have my people get back with you. I'm like, Okay. And I still think it's kind of a joke, but it, I was like, God dang, it sure did sound like him. <laughs> and, and then finally their guys called and it says, well, we got a problem. AC Delco, I think sponsors car at the time, they weren't going to allow him to not run the race. He didn't want to run it because that's back. You remember when we used to run 500 laps there mm-hmm. and, and he didn't want to run it because the, the Bush race, cause he, he said, he's just get too tired, you know, and it, cause that's a pretty physical place. And, and I says, okay. And then I, everything was kind of dropped and then Chevrolet called and, and then that's when Ernie Irvin says, Hey, I want you to run my car at Michigan. Earnhardt made it happen with NASCAR. I can run Michigan. You can't get upside down. Nothing will happen. We're all good. Go down there. Well, Ernie and Kim were having their first baby. Ernie wasn't at the racetrack. So now I've got the, the crew there. got nobody to talk to. I go out and run practice, and I, I can't remember where we started, 17th or something like that. And then a the second lap, me and another car got together, and I spun out coming off two. I flipped five and a half times, and I said, oh. okay. <laughs> no and, uh, and I said, well, that wasn't good, you know, and everybody gave me a bunch of crap. And then uh, and then Ernie was driving Bill Bumgarner's car every once in a while for Staff America, and then they called and says, hey, run Charlotte. And I'm like, you sure? I just killed a guy's car at Michigan. <laughs> and so we go down there. We ran that race. And it didn't, um, I don't know, something happened there. And then we went to Rockingham. And went to Rockingham. And we had a shot to win the race. And uh, I think I made it up to third. And we were we were fast with us. Um, Steve Bird was a crew chief for Birdie. And 
And then they, uh, somebody in the ignition quit and it took us out of the race with like 20 laps to go. And I was like, all right, that's just, these things ain't half bad. Well, that's when Bill Baumgartner gave me an opportunity to run full time. And so we had, we had won a race or won a couple races or no, won a race, run at, at Dover and finished six in the points, one rookie of the year. And in the following year, we won a couple of races, I think, and were able to, uh, to have that really nice three wide racing with you and Tombo dying across the line at Rockingham. Yeah, and I thought I thought it, I had you beat at Rockingham, and here Todd <laughs> sneaks up underneath both of us. Well, and, I know it, and I, I was like, I know I went to the outside, and it, and it was it was like a, you know you're coming up, we're starting to bang, getting up by the wall, we're rubbing a little bit, and Todd sneaks by to both of us, and and but that that wrapped up the championship, so I was happy either way. But it, yeah. it was uh, a pretty awesome deal too. In your second year, winning championship, I mean, there, there's that is that is something that I still shake my head at. How is that possible? You know, and um, I was going to say things was, happen for you pretty quick. I mean, 1993, still in ASA, you won the championship there. Then the next thing you know, you're getting calls from Earnhardt and and you're driving Bush cars, and and it was only really two years. I mean, 1995, you won the Bush Series championship, so that happened in a two year span. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It happened very fast, and uh, and then of course that uh, propelled the opportunity to run with uh, Chuck Ryder at at Bahari Racing with Pennzoil, and I don't, you know, be honest, I don't know if I was ready for that, and I I just took the opportunity, and it was, I was like, crap, man, I'm way over my head in this deal, and and we didn't run bad, I and mean, we had a shot at winning at uh, at the Brickyard, which was just an incredible race, and we were we were kind of there. But, you know, I think we finished 11th in points. I mean, I was, I was, or not that first year. I think first year I finished 21st in points. And the following year we finished 11th, like one point out of top 10. And then at that point in time, I was like, man, I feel pretty good about this. And, but, I, but, you know, I just didn't get the wins. You know, Rockingham was uh, the only win. I was close a lot of times, but, um, you know, I mean, I only won one win. I mean, I only got one win. And it, it was, it was still okay. I mean, I was close to the top ten a couple of times in in the point standings, but just never really, never really got over that edge to uh, to, to be at that point. And it, um, I mean, it's a lot of circumstances. You can, you know, you can blame a lot of stuff, but it was it was just I just was never really in the perfect perfect place and opportunity to to be able to get more wins and, and have any good at winning a championship. But I'm perfectly okay with that at the end of the day. Well, I'd like to back the conversation up, Jeff, just, just a moment, because when we're and Johnny, we're going to go right back to the ASA days. And uh, a lot of people have heard of ASA, but didn't really know a lot about it, especially in today's world, because it's, it's a name right now that's mothballed, but I hear there's a lot of work trying to bring it back. Every major, what I call hitter in racing, mm -hmm. the superstars that Johnny Benson is, ran an ASA car. That was like, wasn't it, Johnny? That was well, the, I mean, the right? series, I mean, I knew man. that's, you know, Mark Martin, cut Mark, his teeth yeah, there, Rusty, Rusty Wallace, your brother. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were some big names coming out of ASA. So I, yeah, I, I'd I love to emphasize how good you had to be to win an ASA race, much less a championship. So... Incredible kudos to you. I mean, especially to do it that quickly. And just to clarify, when the Earnhardt call came along, I got a little behind there. Did you end up running Dover, or they just talked about doing it? 
No, the so AC Delco went and allowed Dale to not run the race. Okay, okay, I got that. So they they made Dale run the race, which which propelled that to an opportunity with uh, Ernie Irvin and Chevrolet was Chevrolet. I think the whole time was setting us up, and and you know, and I did talk to Earnhardt a lot, talked to Ernie a lot at that at that stage when I got in there, and it was after my rookie year with base, base Motorsports. Earnhardt actually called uh, Bill Baumgartner and tried to take me from there and wanted me to run um, their bush car. And I didn't know about it in the beginning. Um, but Bill's like, uh, no, no, you stay in here. And although I don't know what I would have done, I meant that, that um, it would have been a great opportunity to do that. But uh, um, but that, apparently they had that conversation. It wasn't, it wasn't with me, but I, but I, you know, I committed to Bill and it, and it's funny the the two places that I won championships in the NASCAR thing, I didn't have a contract. <laughs> I didn't have a contract with Bill, so I could have left, but I told the man I'd go run for him. And same when I was with that Bill Davis. I know we hadn't talked about that yet, but uh, um, and those are the only two uh, places that I ran that I didn't have a contract, and and we we ended up winning championship, and that was. Um, uh, pretty cool deal, but back to you know, like to say with ASA when they when they got TNN Motorsport or T, uh, TNN Production to do the TV with that Group Five sales, that was a big big deal. That was a big deal for me because that that's what helped me get to where I was at. But it was a big deal for the for the sport too to be on live TV and on all the events. And it was you're right, you know. I know I know Rusty. I'm sure you ran some. Uh, Kenny probably ran some in, in, um, but you know, Rusty ran it, Alan Quickie, Dick Trickle, Butch Miller, um, you know, a lot of guys ran that series and it was, it, it was great. When I ran there, Jimmy Spencer came and ran some, you know, Trickle did, Butch Miller did, those guys all came back and ran it and it was, but I think when that TV thing fell apart and Rex Robbins sold it and things of that nature, I, I think he was. I don't know if at that point in time he was um, he's getting up in age, had some illness of some sort or some things, and and then it, it kind of just depleted the whole series, which was a which was a shame because that was that was a very good uh, ladder to go to get to NASCAR, and it was a perfect series for it. Yeah, let's take a break. We're going to come back with Johnny Benson. Back through the racing career with Johnny Benson Jr. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Going round and round with Johnny Benson Jr. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Johnny, the last segment, I kind of broke us up a little bit. You went forward in a career, and I come back to the ASA world. But let's get back to that that cup world when you were driving for Bahari. You had, uh, you know, close to top 10 points finishes. And you were saying, you know, maybe some of the situations weren't as perfect as you wanted them to be or they needed to be and as racing goes. And take us from there. What was the next step after that? Well, when I, when I was at Bahari, like you say, we finished one point out of 10th. Um, didn't win a race, but we were right there. We had a shot at, at winning India. I mean, we led like 74 laps, um, Ernie Irvin and Dale Jarrett, I think were the two guys that I was dealing with, or they were dealing with me, depending on how you want to look at it. But, the 
uh, we, they were good in a short run. I was just super good in a long run. I was able to get by them because our, our pits were decent, but we we come in lead and we come out like third. And we were able to get by them uh, most of the day. And we got down to this last pit stop with like 25 laps to go. And uh, we came in, we had a bad pit stop. I stalled the car and I came out like 18th or something like that. And I was, I was devastated, but the car was good. I, I ended up being able to actually get up to the either fish six or eighth. I'm not hundred percent on that. And it was really good, but we, we, between the bad pit stop and installing the car pretty much destroyed our opportunity to win the race. And it was, it was just one of those really bad pit moments that everybody has. We just didn't have it at the right time, but it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good year as, as we went, we had other opportunities. We sat on a couple poles and, and, and then in this, I got to be careful on certain parts. They can't mention names, but, um, I, I got, uh, uh, Somebody from NASCAR approached me and said, I need to go talk to Jack Rouch. And I go, why? I'm, I'm with the 30 and they're like, no, you really need to go talk to him. So I was, I wasn't really forced to go that way, but it was highly suggested that I, I maybe go talk to Jack. Well, that, then that Jack would have been the late, great Barney Hall. He used to be the negotiator in the garage area. I'm not saying it was, but Barney, who was it on wasn't. It was probably a little higher than that, but oh, it okay, was great. And anyways, it was one of these deals that I talked to him and we started talking about it, things of that nature. And then we started, um, I was like, well, I'll listen, but I, I really, I told him, I, I basically said, I really don't want to move. I I'm good where I'm at. I like where I'm at. I was working with Doug Hewitt um, that was very good at what he did. And we just had a good rapport with the team and I liked that. And it was, and then it was, well, then the, the conversation started happening and it was, and it did not happen, but, uh, I was supposed to, uh, I don't know what the number would have been, it, but it ended up being the, the 99 and I was supposed to be with buddy parrot. And so I agreed to do that. Well, then, so then once I agreed to do it, we got contracts and all that, and we get going into the winter. The next thing you know, Mark Martin was moving up to that team. I got put in Mark's old car, and then I was I was not at where I was supposed to be, and and that was a struggle. It was just 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 a struggle on a lot of different ends. We were, um, it, it just was it, that is not how it was it was set up to go. And then I felt like I was all of a sudden the third team. We weren't getting the wind tunnels that uh, the other teams were and things of this nature. And it was, it was a four year deal after two years. Um, I, at that point in time, I was, I was too frustrated. Jack was frustrated. And I basically said that I'm not, I'm not moving forward with the team. Um, you know, we have to deal with the contract obviously, but then I was like, I'm not driving. Ain't going to happen. And, and so once that was all sought out, that's when I went to the 10 team with, uh, uh, Tim Beverly, which would have been, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the team, Jet. Tyler, Tyler Jet, Jet right? Jet. Or something like that. Yeah. Or he owned a company called Tyler Jet. Yeah, I think it was Tyler Jet racing at that time. And, um, you know, things are going good. We were fortunate enough to lead in the 500 right there at the end and, and things were going good. Well, then 
Tim Beverly ran into some issues and then, it, you know, then the team was, was starting to deteriorate a little bit. And, and then, uh, we're fortunate enough that MB2 came in and bought the team. So then that's, that's what, you know, at that point in time, we, we fast forward into that. Kenny Schrader was a teammate with me. And, and then that, that, that to me was felt like I was at Mahari again. They had that close knit short track guys, guys that would work around the clock type type scenario. We had a good relationship and, um, and it, it went good about, we were able to win a race. We were, I think the best we could, we were 12 in points. We were kind of like right there and it, it was good. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed being there as a James since was the crew chief. Um, you know, we had a lot of great, great runs, a lot of good opportunities and a lot of seconds and thirds, just, it was just getting over that hump in that race. And, you know, we put, we finally did Valentine came in there and was a partner with the race team. So they owned half our car and it was, uh, you know, just, a, a, a good situation up until, up until it, it ended, there was, it was starting to come apart there at the end and, uh, um, James quit and then, you know, they, they were basically saying I was, I was good. I'm set things of that nature. And then, you know, after the season was over, you know, of course you hear that Scott Riggs is going in there. I kept hearing that kept going in there. Don't know if you're good, this and that, whatever. And then out of the blue, they sent me an email and said they're putting Scott Riggs in the car for the, uh, the following year. So that Amazing. was amazing. Uh, so, so Johnny, we like every guest we've had, and Jeff and I when we started this show. So, was that one of those calls? It, it don't take it personally. It's just business right. calls. We're gonna move in another direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's supposed no, to have a little bit of humor they, right there, but because everybody's got the yeah. oh man, don't take this serious. No, you just disrupted my whole life. Don't take it serious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, I didn't even I didn't even get a courtesy call. They sent it over email. Oh and man, that's even I was worse. Like, you kidding me? I was so pissed. I was like, you couldn't even. I and the bad thing was, I was just in the office the day before saying, hey. You know, you keep saying we're good. I keep hearing stuff. And he goes, nope, we're good. And I leave, and three hours later, I get an email that says it's not good. And I I was like, really? You know, I was like, you've been in the sport long enough. You're going to say something, just let me know. So, so Johnny, you tell me. I never have – we we make a joke about this, but but it's not a joking deal when it happens to you. So (laughs) so why do you think – and this is something I've never no, – no avenue I've went, ever went down with with anybody else. Why do you think they just can't look you in the face and say, hey, we're going to go a different direction? Why Why does everything – Some people can, some people can't. Yeah, I, but – You know, I think that's the difference between a good manager or a good owner and one that's not so good. I mean, I always yeah. – I was in the radio business, Johnny, for 43 years, and I always tried to be straightforward with, with people. I would never – if so, if I was going to fire you the next day or that later that day yeah. and you were in my office, I would go ahead and do it then. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, that would, well, that's just me. You would think so, and that was a manager. It wasn't, it wasn't the owner. So the owners were – they weren't absentee, but they didn't live in North Carolina. So I did – I never heard from them on any of this. And I, I'm like, okay, that was, I, I, you know, what do you do at that point in time? I'm like, you know, at this point in time, when you got contracts, you know, it's a pain in the ass, right? You just go, Hey, we're going <laughs> to, you're going to have to deal with this crap now. Yeah. And, and it, it, although that did go smooth, um, I got an opportunity to, 
you know, go run a book car. And I did, I did that. I knew that that was with James Finch. And we know that deal. You're going to, yeah, I love James to death, man. He's, he's awesome, but you know, you're only going to run six, eight races. <laughs> and, and, but um, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> you're going to have a good time. And, you know, we were competitive and, but James wants to win every race. And, and so do I, I mean, mine and his view are exactly the same, but he was like, you know, we were right there and, you know, running, but we hadn't won. And he's like, well, I got to put somebody in with more experience. And I go, okay. That, you know, and I would, and to be honest, I knew that going in. So I didn't have a contract with him, but he goes, I know he's going to pay you this. I'm going to give you this, do this and that, whatever. And I go, that's fine. And I mean, so that, that breakup was, uh, was perfectly fine. I, I knew it going in. So it's just, that's just what happens there. And, and, you know, so you go through that little thing and I was like, okay, I was doing some TV stuff and I was like, you know what, I'll just mess with this. It's fine. I said, something happens, it happens, it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and then, uh, uh, I was supposed to go to Pike's peak, I believe to do TV with Alan Bestwick and, and then also Bill Davis called and says, Hey, we're running out of mass to run around my truck. And I go, I go, yeah, but. I said, I got to do a TV thing. Let me make a call. I talked to Alan. Alan called the higher ups there and, and they says, Hey, if he's got an opportunity to go race, go do it. If it doesn't work out, we'll have you do some TV. Well, so I went there and, and ran some races with Bill and, and we were pretty good. And, and, um, as, uh, as a year got, Bill started talking about next year and I says, yeah, I don't care. He says, well, I'll pay you this. And I go, it's fine. And so we ran the next year, right? So we, we win some races, we keep going. Um, you know, we had a couple of crew chief swaps there and then, uh, got with Rick Wren and, you know, we're winning races. We, uh, had a shot at the championship and we run second in the championship there. Um, and then, and then Rick quit, I think, I can't remember if it was that year or the year after. Then we run third in the points. Um, and then Trip Bruce come on board and then, uh, we won a bunch of races and then, uh, was fortunate enough to win the championship. And that one was, uh, a pretty, pretty wild, uh, last four races of the year with being, uh, Ron Hornaday, just swapping lead back and forth. He would wreck and then I would wreck and, you know, you just, you just, you know, they're the shorter races. You're just trying to haul butt and, and get yourself in trouble. And I had that, we both had that problems and going into, uh, homestead, it was like a three point split between us and we didn't have a good race, but at the end of the deal, I decided not to pit and he pitted. Cause I thought, you know what? He's been beating us all day. If he, if he didn't come down pit road, I was going to come down pit road, but he turned down pit road. I didn't expect him to do that with 10 to go. And, and I stayed out and trip was flipping out. And I was like, dude, we've been doing this all day. If I would have come down pit road, at least now I'm ahead of him. Yeah. And, you know, something and, and different, was, right? <laughs> yeah, there's something different. Cause if I would have come in and put pit tires on and be behind him, it would have been the same all day. And so we were, we were on two tires, um, not long before that. And, and we were leading it. And then I think I was, I think I was like third or something like that on a restart and Ron was back like 10th or something. And, but it was basically a four lap run. And I'm telling you what, I mean, we all, yeah, I mean, you, 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 this is a bad statement, but I mean, you just drive the crap out of that thing. Although you do all the time anyways, 
but it was, I mean, I'm just hanging on, doing everything I can not direct the thing. And uh, it just happened to be that I got to the start and finish line in sixth. I think I finished sixth in a race and he finished seventh and it was enough to get us the, enough to get us a championship. So it was, uh, we did laugh about that. It was like, cause I didn't come down the road and I was getting my butt chewed. And I was like, dude, I go, that would have been a, the whole day went that way. I said, I ain't doing that. Right. And it ended up working out. I mean, either way, if I would have pitted, we wouldn't have won it. If we would have got past and didn't win it, at least we tried something different. Sure. Well, congratulations on that. I think that's what's the old story, Jeff. At least I know in your legends career, you had to go where they weren't, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you, you had, do. You had to do <laughs> something different. That's right. I mean, how many races we see today where guys don't pit at the end and, you know, arrow has always been important. I know, I, you know, people put so much emphasis on, you know, aerodynamics and clean air. It's always been there. It's just that they've recognized it and taken more advantage of it today. And, and that was the case. I mean, it was, um, if, if I would have put them two tires on before that last pit and didn't come out in the lead, I'd have been in trouble. Just that clean air just kept me up front for a while. And it was easier on the tires. And that was probably the difference why I was able to hold them off at the end. That race would have went two more laps. I lost it. But, it, you know, the, the race ended and I was ahead of them. So it worked out. There you go. They uh, in the, It just shows you won a championship. Doesn't tell you how, why, or what, does right? it? Yeah. No, but it was a great battle the whole way. And I, I still laugh on the TV when they they said something about the battle going into it. And I told them, I says, well, I don't know if you're paying attention, but it's only three points going into this race. It's pretty tight. <laughs> yeah. well, well, let's take a break. Come back for our we'll final. We'll come back and bring it home. How about yeah, that? I love it. Talking to Johnny Benson Jr. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Just a couple of more laps with Johnny Benson Jr. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. All right, Johnny, you won a truck championship. Everything is good. You beat Ron Hornaday, one of the, one of the greatest Hall of Famers from, uh, you know, the truck world. So after that season, where's where's the life of Johnny Benson progressed to? Well, while I, while I was running the trucks, I decided uh, a friend of mine let me drive a soup modified once. And then uh, I, I took a couple laps and then he's like, oh, you want to run a race? And I in Berlin, my home track was on the schedule. And I said, look, we're going to do it. Let's let's go to my home track because I know the racetrack. I'm not trying to learn a race car and a racetrack. And so we went up there and, and tested, ran a race. It, it went pretty good. And then he goes, well, what are you doing tomorrow after that race? And he says, let's go to Sandusky and run. And we went down there, and uh, he, had, he was running three cars at that time. So his kid won the race. I was beside him. I run second in the third car, finished third. And so he finished in the top three there. And then he's like, well, keep running. Well, I was doing truck racing at the time too. And so we ran and I, I won like three or four races. And then I was like, Screw it, I'm building my own car. And I built that. And then at about the fifth race into it, I had my bad wreck at Berlin where I tried to kill myself in it. And I was, I was out about four and a half months from breaking all kinds of stuff and a bunch of surgeries. And I was real fortunate. I lived through it. And, and then it was just one of those deals that he called back and I started driving his car again. And, and, um, so I, and I still do that. We build a new car over the winter and I just been, uh, just playing with that, not running a full schedule, 
doing some fab work at my shop for, you know, just, just doing stuff that I want to do. Somebody will bring something and I'll say, yeah, or no, or, or whatever. So I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm vacationing. I call it vacationing and retired. Beautiful. But, well, uh, do me a favor and funny. explain to Jeff and my, and Rich and everybody listening, what a super modified is because those are the most wicked, wild looking cars. To me, they oh, are. Uh, just they give are, somebody a perception of what they look like. Well, it's a 1800 pound car. Um, it's not a sprint car, but it's an open wheel car. The real low to the ground type thing. It's an asphalt car, but they got a four. The rule is a 470 cubic inch big block. That's a rule. That's a max size. And so steel block though, they, they've got a, a limited style head, but the thing still make 800 or 900 horsepower and an 1800 pound car with a wing on the roof. And they are, I'm telling you what, if anybody's ever had an opportunity, you need to drive one of these six once because they go through the corners dang fast. It's just, it's insane. And, but they're 70% left side weight, like I say, 1800 pounds and they run on methanol and they are one badly blown race car and they're tricky to drive, but, um, but they are fun. They're fun. They run a lot of cool racetracks and we run racetracks. I, I know like, they brought them down to Bristol and they're running around there in the 12 seconds around Bristol. And it's just insane how fast some of these tracks that we run at, you run at 150, 160 mile an hour in a five, eight half mile to five, eight mile racetrack. So they are fast. So as we talk on the show, if we get to something like, I don't know, or Jeff doesn't I didn't know, know what a super modified he, looked he like, looks so it I just up. Googled it. Yeah. So, these cars, the, the engine's offset in them, right? It's way to the left side. It's got a big wing on it like a sprint car has got. Yep, things are just yep, I mean, awesome looking. They're wild, exotic looking. They are. The, the headers, the right side headers, your feet rub the headers on the right side. Your your legs are actually beside the engine. So the, the engine is far left as you can get. They can't go outside the tires, but they're right at it. And so you kind of, you, you're kind of, you don't sit crooked in the car, but your legs are actually on the right side of the engine. And in the back of the engines, like about in the mid thigh, and it, it's just insane. And um, and they are cool though, man. They are just so so cool to drive. But boy, you have to pay attention in those things. There's there's very little room for error. <laughs> I, I admired you said they were finicky to drive, and uh, as a race car driver, you know, or was a race car driver, you know, I think just like yourself, you sometime in your life you want to drive everything once just to see what it feels like or whatever. What what do you have to do in those cars? You, what's so finicky about them? They just they're so fast, so light that everything happens quickly. Or what do you mean by that? It, it does. It, the car, you know, when you first drive, the car's way ahead of you. And, and to you, you know, it's kind of like Bristol. You go run five laps, get out of the car, get back in it, and you feel like you're in tune with it. The same thing happens uh, with those. They're just they're just so fast that, and and like I say, they're they're open wheel. You don't want to hit tires, which is what caused my big wreck. I hit tires with a guy, and they're just um, they're 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 hard to drive down a straightaway. Run a lot of stagger. They want to wander on a straightaway. They corner like like you ain't never been through a corner before, and. So, I mean, you just got to be on top of your game and, and things of that nature. But they, but like I say, they're, they're fun or they're exciting. The guys are good. They're, they're special made cars. It ain't like you got two or three of them. So you don't want to wreck them. And um, so the guys do race really clean. Uh, There's no spotters. It's like old time racing. There's no spotters or nothing. 
And, you know, so you got to make sure you're beside the guy and things of that nature. So and, where do you go to drive uh, these? What, where are most of the racetracks that you go to? Well, they could run Oswego, New York. You run in Connecticut, like Waterford. You run uh, uh, Jennerstown. You run in my home track, run in Sandusky. They run at Lorraine. They run mainly the, the northeast side. Um, you know, we didn't do a lot of the ones over in New Hampshire this year, but um, we only ran part of the schedule. But, you know, my goal originally when I was driving his, I run third in the points with three engine failures. We had a, a shot to win the points, in, which is why I wanted to build my own because I, I, I've won four championships. I, I won out all late model with my asphalt late model stuff also. And my goal was to actually win a championship in, uh, in a super to get five different championships and five different classes. But third's the best I've done. And right now we're not running a full schedule, so it's not on uh, – not on the radar to go do that. Well, five championships, that'd be incredible. It's five different cars. So, uh, and and it would, it, cool. it would appear that these are shorter races, right? Says They are. They're, they're usually 40 to 50 lap races. Yes, 50 go. lap. So, and so you've come full circle. That's what you like to do back in the day, right? Oh, wow. That's yeah. what I like to do. Our <laughs> biggest race is Sandusky. They run a 100 lapper. And I'll tell you what, 100 laps is one of those cars. We ran a... Uh, uh, Toledo, Ohio once, a 40-lap race. We did three laps of parade laps, ran a 40-lap race, and the car's going to victory lane, and the race was 14 minutes. And it, <laughs> 14 it, minutes. Insane. 14 minutes to run a 40-lap uh, race. And it was, and that was counting the warm-up and going to victory lane. So the race probably took under 12 minutes. Wow. And it, it was, it, it'll wear you out. I, I actually, I almost... I was getting where I couldn't breathe, and I looked at the scoreboard. It was lap 32. I didn't know where it was at. I started way back, and I'm falling out of the seat. And I'm like, I almost pulled off the track until I saw 32. I thought, well, I cannot breathe for eight more laps. <laughs> and I went third in the race, and I had no idea. And you weren't you breathing? <laughs> I was you, just, you can't breathe. I was just going to ask you how physically challenging those cars are because you say they go through the corner so fast. So you just answered it, that. They're physically challenging. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the most physically challenged car I've ever driven. You can't breathe in the corners. So you're running around uh, Toledo at 12 seconds. You got you got three seconds you can't breathe. You breathe for three seconds. Three seconds you can't breathe, and then breathe for three seconds. That's one lap. <laughs> there you go, Jeff. Kind of sounds tough. like your legend career. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and don't hit anything. Yeah. <laughs> and don't hit anything. <laughs> well, so, Johnny, do you think you're going to uh, pursue that fifth championship uh, next year or something, or are you just kind of not see I th- what I happens? Don't think so. I don't think so. The, the kid that runs the car – uh, their, their house car, the, the, the owner owns a car. Uh, he, he's got a sprint car now and he wants to do more of that. So we're just going to run the seven or eight races and, uh, calling it good. I think they run, uh, maybe 14, 16 races, I think is all in, uh, but we're, to, we're just picking and choosing. There you go. Well, a guy who's won all these championships, if you don't mind, if I ask you just a quick little question has nothing to do with your career, but. I'm sure you've at least seen the highlight or talked or heard, heard who won the cup championship yesterday. What did you think of the final championship race at Phoenix yesterday in the cup series? Well, all three, I thought were pretty good. You know, I mean, uh, it, 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 it's sad. I mean, you know, congratulations to, to joy, but to, to, to hear what, you know, with Coy, Coy Gibbs leaving us is, uh, pretty much, I don't even care about the race after, after hearing that we all have known Coy, uh, for quite a long time. And it just, I mean, we, we were sitting at a restaurant last or yesterday afternoon 
watching football when I heard about that. And I, I've been sick ever since that just, you know, somebody that big in a sport in the, at that age and that, that young to be gone now. And especially with this kid just winning the championship, it's just, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's saddening, it's saddening to, to one for Joe Gibbs to go through that with already, you know, losing JD Gibbs. And it's just, uh, it's tough. It's tough. You know, you might not be closest friends in the world, but, you know, people that we know in the sport that go through something like that is um, is is pretty tough. Yeah, well, I think the one thing about our racing fraternity and people in general, good people like yourself and Jeff Kent and Rich and myself, man, it does hurt. It, it bothers you that those things happen, and we won't even discuss the race. But, uh, you know, if I can say from our show and from us, condolences to the Gibbs family. I Absolutely. mean, you, you think about Rich and I were talking before the show, life's so valuable. Twelve hours before that, they were standing in – you know, Victory Lane taking championship photos, and uh, I raced against Coy. Yeah. You know, I yeah. hung out with him a little bit. You know, I mean, it just uh, doesn't make any sense. What what a shame! But uh, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, this sport is 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 cruel to a certain extent, right? But I think as drivers get killed, it's it's a bad deal. But that that is is something that racers not agree with, but accept the fact that that challenge is there. And but to, when it when it's somebody that is just involved in racing, where that is not something on your radar, it's just uh, it's it's just sad at that age and and where he's at in, in his career and with the race team that that would happen to you know to the to the Gibbs family and his wife and his kid that just and both kids that just uh, you know just win a championship and that's gonna that's gonna be a cloud over something that he accomplished that's just going to hurt for life, you know, and it's um, it's tough. Well, as I said, our condolences to the family. I would like to finish it up. We won't make any big hype of anything else, but Johnny Benson, thank you for joining us and, and sharing your career. I mean, what an incredible career, Jeff. I mean, he he wanted everything he did. A lifelong racer. I'm I'm more as much stunned as he was welding seats at seven years old old and fabricating. And uh, I I think of my grandson, he's five, and he'll walk into the shop. And we we don't actively race now, but we still have all the shop equipment and everything. And and he'll piddle with something, and you'll see him take bolts and put them together. And it's like, Wow, cool. Well, well, then the next couple of years, Mike, you got to put that kid to work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna teach him how to weld the, the Mr. Benson <laughs> work you ethic. Better, you better hope that the radio show pays by Bennett like you talked about earlier. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, getting rich. we're getting rich here, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, uh, for what we all make at this radio show, we can't buy a can of Diet Coke. So <laughs> I brought I know, my I own know. with me today. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It was awesome. Yeah, well, oh, thank fun. you very much. Really appreciate appreciate it absolutely you've been listening to fast car to nascar mike wallace and a very special guest johnny benson jr on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media we'll see you next week